Hello, everybody, and welcome to a Friday edition of the PHLY Eagles podcast. I'm Zach Berman here in studio with Rich Hoffman. Bo Wolf is not here today, so in Bo's honor, we get to do a mailbag, something that Bo does not always uh, enjoy doing, but or it's not his favorite type of show, but we want to give the people what they want today, and that's a, and that's a mailbag. Before we start, Rich, good to be back with you again. How you doing? Zach, I'm good. You're looking rested from your vacation. <laughs> I'm, I'm rested. I was sitting there watching you and Bo for three shows. I had a full, I had a notes app full of notes. I enjoyed it. Bo took it a little easier on you than he does on me sometimes. Uh, but I, I, I especially appreciated the conversation about the pickup basketball. Sure. And I'm, uh, I'm, I'm thrilled that we have a good shooter right here at the, at, at the desk as you made clear. Absolutely. We're trying to get you better, man. You know? <laughs> uh, how, many, how many games left in the season? You done? No, like- we have about uh, six, seven weeks to go. Oh, and man. then the playoffs. So this is, this is a long season. Long season, yeah. Um, I'm missing Monday's game for the combine. That's next week. We'll have more on that. I'm missing. Well, I'm missing one for the owners' meetings, but I'll be there for the postseason. That's what matters. You gotta load manage. This is like too many <laughs> games, man. Yeah. Well you, well, you, well, you build it up. You get the team chemistry, and then you got to peak at the right time. Probably similar <laughs> to the Sixers, right? Sure. Um, now, now before we get going on the mailbag, the, some news this morning. Uh, the first being that the Eagles finally finalize their coaching staff we've been waiting for it here uh and i i won't give you the entire staff you can see it on our social media accounts we'll have something on phly the new coaches vic fangio kellen moore offensive and defensive or, or i should say defensive and offensive coordinators respectively uh then christian parker passing game coordinator slash defensive backs coach clint hurt who we've discussed uh defensive line and senior defensive assistant Roy Anderson cornerbacks coach Joe Casper safeties coach he's a former Eagles assistant who comes back Bobby King the inside linebackers coach Doug Nussmeyer the quarterbacks coach and Kyle Valero the offensive assistant Uh, returning coaches with new titles TJ Pagnetti the run game specialist slash assistant offensive line coach takes over for Roy Isfan Ronnell Williams he's assistant linebackers coach and defensive quality control moves over from the Nichols back coach Uh, Tyler Scudders now defensive quality control and Tyler Yell now head coach uh, uh, quality control Uh, and then the returning coaches uh, there are a number of them we don't need to get in all of them most of the offensive staff remains notably Aaron Moorhead still the wide receivers coach Uh, and the only coach back on the defensive side of the ball in the same role is Jeremiah Washburn who's the DN slash outside linebackers coach so I have a few quick thoughts but uh, at, at the top what jumps out to you about this new staff well, well, we're going to lean on you for more okay. of this because I'm not as, as into the weeds on this. Um, so, yeah, it's like you said, on, on offense, there's more continuity. Yep. So it's kind of like Kellen Moore is perhaps running things, but I guess maybe they kept some of the infrastructure yep. to, to keep Nick maybe feeling you know a little bit at home. And then on the defense, it's like you said, Jeremiah Washburn is the only name that I, I remembered like looking at that group. It seems like Vic has his guys there. That, that seems like the big theme you downplayed your understanding of the situation because you hit it on the head there. The big takeaway here is that they really didn't make many offensive changes here. Uh, They gave Kellen Moore a quarterback's coach and an offensive assistant. That's it, basically. Uh, The rest, it's it's, it's not just holdovers. It's people who've been with Sirianni since he became the head coach. Uh, so, So that goes to show you that they didn't necessarily think the offense needed major overhaul there. 
And it's the opposite on, on defense. They have changes at all three levels here. Washburn's the only one back. And what jumps out here on the defensive staff to me is that uh, you, you, you have people with legitimate NFL position coaching and even coordinator experience. And given the timing of the coaching changes last year, the Eagles had a college-heavy staff. They, they had a linebackers coach and a D-backs coach who had not been position coaches at the NFL level. Uh, most of their experience was at the college level. Um, and even Tracy Rocker, an experienced defensive line coach, had not been a coordinator before at, at the NFL level. Now you have coaches at all three levels who have steep NFL experience. Clint Hurt has coordinator experience. Uh, Christian Parker is someone who's, who's worked with Vic Fangio. So I think the reimagined defensive staff is the headline here and we'll we'll see how it goes but but this clearly it's the biggest staff shakeup they've had during Sirianni's time yeah I mean they, they probably like Ronnell Williams a little bit mm-hmm. to keep him around in a different role I know he's like a local guy he's yep. one of your one Chester of your, one of your favorites um okay two more questions on this mm-hmm. we're because Bo and I talked about this I think on Monday when the news was announced are you surprised that Aaron Moorhead is back? Slightly surprised. I, I thought that was a position where they 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 might turn it over, uh, similar to what they did with with the quarterbacks coach Aaron Moorhead, who. I mean, look, A.J. Brown and Devontae Smith have had outstanding seasons under him. And you can say, well, those are talented players. He's still the receivers coach. But, but, but typically, when you bring in a new offensive Philosophy. Totally, right? You're you're looking at, at at quarterbacks coach and and wide receivers coach and potentially a line coach, but the the, the they're not going to change Jeff Stoutland. And and actually, there are whispers that was part of maybe the hang up when they were talking to Cliff Kingsbury was what's Jeff Stoutland's role. Jeff Stoutland cemented as the O lines coach. So so uh, when you look at where they could make changes on the offensive coaching staff. I, I did think wide receiver was a spot where they, they might turn it over and Kellen Moore would bring in someone he has a background with. Clearly, that's not the case. Yeah, I mean, it's like you said, especially because the wide receivers should be doing something different this year. Yeah. Like, they should should be doing the thing where you, like, run behind the quarterback yes. parallel to yeah. the line. Should do that every once in a while. They should do the thing where they, like, stand next to each other sometimes. It confuses the defense. Um, so, yeah, I would like to see that. The other thing that st- stood out, and this is probably just a stupid question, what is head coach quality control? <laughs> yeah. Isn't that Big Dom's job? <laughs> no, all right, good question, because actually people ask this on, on social media. So, so quality control is is basically um, you're doing kind of the, the grunt work and you typically have offensive and defensive quality controls so it's a lot of logging um, plays and trends and you're you're basically yeah you're doing the grunt work on the offensive and defensive side my my presumption and I haven't spoken to anyone in the building about this yet but the head coach quality control is a lot of the game management decisions he's putting this together for he's he's putting the the data and digging things up for Nick Sirianni so he's basically getting the information uh, for Nick Sirianni that 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 would be my presumption quality control coaches are how a lot of coaches come up in in the business now you could frame it in in different ways you often hear it termed as like head coach assistant right um but which interestingly is how sean mcdermott started here and how brett veach started here uh when andy reed was the coach so they've 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 had different people in in that role including the tylers tyler scudder tyler yelk the a call of, it, a lot of tylers yeah so to uh to call it the Head coach quality control, that is my guess for how they're approaching this. 
So you think he could be like the Pagnetti version on this uh, on this team? I don't know if it's the game management as much as 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 kind of putting the data together. Uh, he still might have someone in in the booth doing that, but it's a good question. I don't have uh, I, I don't have a strong answer for that. I'll, it's something I'll dig in more when we're in Indy next week. Zach, I need a hipster name to yell out when other people are yelling at Sirianni for a bad timeout mm-hmm. or you know, uh, stupid okay. play. I need I need to hold somebody accountable. So I hope it's Tyler Young. Yeah. Well, uh, in Sirianni's first year, that was Jim Bob Cooter. And I imagine Jim Bob Cooter is probably a more fun yes. name to uh, call out than Tyler Yelk. But I will get to the bottom of that uh, for you. Also, one other piece of information that came out last night. And for those who, who watched Flu World Order last week, and are keeping stats. This is a big development for Bo Wolf. Uh, and perhaps it's a big development for the Eagles, too. Albert O is back. Um, Albert, I hope I'm pronouncing this correctly. You deserve to have your name pronounced. Albert Oku Uh If I butchered that, I am sorry. I've been working on it. Actually, Andrew, our producer today, might have heard me listening to the Google pronunciation to try to get it oh, down. Oh, I heard you. I was you across the room. Okay, yeah. yeah. I played it, played it, played it, but I played it at about 11.30. We're at 12.10 right now, and Oku I'm I'm sorry. I, I sound like... I, I, this is I'm giving love to Bill Simmons here. I grew up listening to the BS Report and then the Bill Simmons podcast. Just butchered names, and I yeah, and, right. and and he was always butchering names, and I'm doing the same thing now that I have my show here. So, uh, but Alberto is is back. When you first saw that, and this is actually a question in the mailbag, so it's a little tease. But what was your initial reaction? Well, first off, I want to address the the inability to pronounce because remember, Big V was the the last guy, but because he became such an integral part yes. of these Eagles. Everybody eventually knew Halapulavati, right? Yes. That's how you say it. Um, well done. Albert O. Look, Zach, and I'm going to steal, I think this is another Bill Simmons thing, too. Anytime you can re-sign somebody who had one target all season, mm-hmm. despite being on the roster all season, and despite the starter at his position miss, missing yep. significant time, you just have to do it. This was one of the more curious uh, years that an Eagle has had not in, in, in this perspective. So he had a great final preseason game with the Broncos. Then it comes out that the Broncos are, are, are going are, are gonna to waive him, right? The Eagles are on the bottom of the, of the waiver wire, and they don't want him, him to go to waivers. So they trade, and they make like a, a minimal trade, but they trade in, in order to get him. So you bring him in, you give up a pick. You, by doing that, you're, you're making sure that, all right, he's on your roster. So f- seemingly you have plans for him, right? Then they bury him as the fourth tight end. <laughs> they keep him there. He was, uh, he was, by the way, 1130. He's on that inactive list yes, a lot. Yeah, and, and then like you mentioned, Goddard goes down. And, and, and you have people like me saying, watch out for Albert O, pass-catching tight end. <laughs> they throw to the ball to him one time. It was like an, uh, it was a garbage-time play against the Niners, okay? Then they need a roster spot in, the, in like early December. Christian Ellis, they, let Chris, they wave Christian Ellis, keeping Albert O, but then they still don't play Albert O, right? And so, and, and so then finally, they put Albert O on phantom IR. Um, and, and I imagine there was a, a real injury. This was actually the last week uh, or second to last week of the season to bring Avante Maddox back up. So you figure, given all of this, Alberto finally has this chance to hit free agency. He'll go to a place where, all right, maybe he'll have more of a role in the offense. Um, 
But no, Albert O, the Eagles make it a February priority to keep Albert O, and Albert O wants to sign. So clearly, the Eagles like him enough to want him to see him in training camp. And Albert O thinks there's going to be enough of an opportunity. And we'll get to it actually a few times during the mailbag. But the Eagles are going to be playing, you know, 12 personnel, and they do need to upgrade that second tight end. It's just odd to me that he was in the building. And you didn't want to see him last year, but now you want to see him during camp this year. Especially when your offense was, I mean, look, as we know, it wasn't bad, but it was underperforming relative to the talent level. You might as well try something different. I thought uh, Daniz said something funny on Twitter. He said it's hard not to respect the bit here. Yes. They're just completely doubling down. And I mean... You know, maybe a Rashad Penny extension is coming next, too, you know? <laughs> that that would be the funniest part. Um, because actually, in my notes from, from Flew World Order, next to Rashad Penny, I wrote, wouldn't this be funny? And uh, that <laughs> if, if Albert O's the opening act for, for Rashad Penny, then I, w- I would just say, Howie, you stumped me, man. Good for you. Good for you. Um, and uh, before we transition to the mailbag, two quick housekeeping items here. Make sure you are reading... Rich Hoffman's daily newsletter. It's the best newsletter in Philly sports. Uh, I read it every day, not just because I, I, I work here. I learn a lot, and uh, make sure you're doing that. Also, make sure you're checking out allphly.com for our coverage of all four Philly teams, but we have a, a mock draft up now. That's exclusive for diehards. We'll have content uh, next week from the Combine for our, our, our Eagles coverage, so make sure um, you're checking that out. And in that vein, we talked about the mock draft. We talked about tight end. That's a good transition to the mailbag. Yeah. Our first mailbag question has to do with tight ends. And, and I should ask you real quick, thoughts on a mailbag? Are you a fan of it? Do you think it's a Love tired it. form? Love it. Okay. Now, come on. I mean, you're, you're interacting with the audience, right? You are. I get it. They're, they're doing half the work. Yeah. They're coming up with show topics. But, hey, we do a show every day. Exactly. I think, I think it's okay to have one of these once in a while. What is Bo's objection to it? Does I, he think I, it's lazy? So I far be it for me to ever put put words in Bo's mouth because if I do it, I would never hear the end of it. Sure. Um, <laughs> I will let Bo defend his view on mailbags on, on Monday. My presumption is Bo, who, and I'm saying this, is amazing host and amazing creating uh, like different ways of, of content. I, I think he, he likes the, the creative. I, 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 th- I, I think he wants to think a step beyond. Like yeah. if everyone else is doing mailbags, Bo wants to put his own spin on it. So that's, that's my presumption is, is there's, it's, it's not unique enough. But uh, I, I wrote this in a mailbag we had on All PHLY the other day. Uh, I grew up reading Bill Simmons' mailbag. Second Bill Simmons, shout out today, right? Yeah. Um, and I, I, I want to know what's on the mind of the audience. So um, if it, it's, it's like reading the comment section, which I always do. So uh, that's, good, that's the, uh, the background for my affinity for mailbags. It's a, it's a good Friday topic. And- Look, I, again, I don't want to put words in Bo's mouth either, although I probably won't get the pushback that, that you would. Uh, but, yeah, I think he's just kind of a perfectionist, mm-hmm. right? He wants to, to get creative and, you know, figure out other ways to do it, which I can respect. But for us who are a little lazier in terms mm-hmm. of just, you know, just, just give us the questions, I think Friday, a Friday mailbag is, uh, is really good. Well, before we get into, in, into the mailbag, we're, we're about to jump into it, but I don't want to interrupt this flow of good questions. That's, that's coming. So before we do that, let me tell you about Miller Lite uh, because 
this is the time of year when it's it's still winter time. We're all getting together, and you need an excuse to get together with friends and crack open a cold one. That's what Miller Lite provides for you. They make these moments even better with great tasting light beer for people who love beer. A new year is a perfect time for friends, family, and great tasting light beer. It tastes like Miller Lite. You can love the experience when you take that sip and you look around your friends and you say, yeah, this was the right call. Uh, you can have conversation easily. We always say, you know, this is a good topic to have over a beer. Well, if you're going to do that, have it over a Miller Lite. And you want something that's a great time and reliable. Miller Lite, you know that taste is reliable. It's dependable taste. It's the perfect light beer. It has that clean finish. So you're drinking it. It's refreshing and easy to drink. And it's only about 96 calories and 3.2 carbs per 12 ounces. So you feel comfortable doing it. What do you look for in a great beer? Everything that Miller Lite has. It has those simple ingredients. It's a taste you can depend on. It's brewed for taste. It hits different than the other light beers has simple in ingredients like malted barley for rich balanced toffee note flavors and the iconic golden color and like i said it's 96 calories and just 3.2 grams of carbs per 12 ounces it's the original light beer since 1975 and still the best one miller light great taste 96 calories go to millerlight.com slash phly birds to find delivery options near you or you can pick up some miller light pretty much anywhere they sell beer tastes like Miller Time Celebrate Responsibly, Miller Brewery Company, Milwaukee, Wisconsin, 96 calories and 3.2 carbs per 12 ounces. And while we're also talking about our friends, let's mention Empire. Empire is uh, uh, Empire Today, I, sh I should say. With Empire Today, you get the shop at home convenience, the right products for your needs, quick and professional installation, and a price match guarantee. Empire Today is the best place to get new flooring. So, of course, they have copycats. But why go to the copycats when you can get the original? They, you can't beat Empire Today on quality, on service, on speed, and they advertise low-quality products that we that the other places uh, it's it's just Empire Today is just far better there. They won't promise the lowest prices because anyone who does that is putting flooring in your home that you wouldn't want. Empire, you're getting the quality. Their philosophy is to help you find what you need, not to overwhelm you with thousands of choices and substitutes. And their, so the, the premium they place on selection is important. Empire's products are exhaustively combed through to find thousands of samples each year to find the perfect style. They have a virtual floor designer. It's a great way to see how new floors look in any space. It's easy. Just snap a picture and instantly see how new floors will look in your room. Shopping for floors in a big box store can be frustrating. You talk to someone who was working as a plumber yesterday or as a podcaster yesterday, right? Uh, flooring is all Empire Today does. We live and breathe flooring so you can be confident that you're getting honest upfront advice. Service, they have their own warranties. If an issue does arise, just call Empire and they'll service all the warranties themselves. You won't have to track down a manufacturer's phone number. Schedule a free home estimate today. All listeners can receive $350 off discount when they use the promo code PHLY restriction supply. See empire today slash PHLY for all the details. It was good. I was thinking of something mm -hmm. during your, your ad read. So what's the, what's the plan for Indy? 
Plan for Indy is we're there Monday through Thursday. We're going to talk to Howie Roseman and Nick Sirianni on Tuesday. We're doing live shows there Tuesday and Wednesday, talking to a number of other coaches. Uh, on Wednesday, we'll talk to some uh, defensive players. Looking forward to speaking to Jeremiah Trotter, your fellow St. Joe's prep alum. Um, and, yes, and, and, uh, we're not just going to have live shows there. I think we might have some emergency pods as well. So uh, I look forward to the combine. This is my... 12th combine uh because they did not have one during covid um but or the year after covid the 2021 season but uh yeah pumped to be out there let, let me ask you what what is the setup or what's the kind of environment like when howie and nick take those questions it feels like they're kind of up on a a very awkward yes. podium there's just a, a a group of people around them not like in the auditorium at Novacare not sitting down yeah. it's almost like a concert type setting and it's only what like 10 15 minutes yeah it's 15 minutes each it's similar to what you described about Malcolm Jenkins's press conference the other day where there's no flow to these so one question is is like let's let's say someone asks about the Gun report um, you know do you need big dom there and then the next question is from like from a fantasy football person, like uh, who's your third running back going to be next year? <laughs> and then then you have a report, yeah. So come on. So uh, there's not as much flow uh, to those, but it's the first time that they're speaking since that end of season press conference. It's always anticipated in that regard. Some teams, uh, and the Eagles have have done this in the past, and hopefully they do this this year. You get a chance to speak to the guys on the side too. The beat writers do, uh, and you. Uh, so you're kind of getting some of the questions that are different than, than those 15 minutes. But a big part of the combine, in addition to those press conferences, you're just seeing people from around the league. And it's really the unofficial start of free agency. I know the league has like the legal tamper, the legal tampering period. The tampering period really begins at the combine. That's when agents are there. Everyone in the NFL is there. It's a big convention. And you start to get a sense of which free agents are coming back, which free agents aren't, who's available via trade, who isn't. Uh, you you get some intel on the draft prospects. So it really is the start of the NFL offseason. How many of these have you been to? Yeah, so this is 12. And, oh, wow. So um, do you have a whole, like... I mean, you know the lay of the land. I've, I've spent a lot of time in Indy. Um, and when I was at the Inquirer, I, I, I used to do like six, seven days at the Combine. Oh, man. Um, and now uh, at PHLY, we're, 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 we're going for three days. Still a good enough time to... Oh. To, that's, that's plenty to get well yeah I'm, I, I mean if you want to talk to all the prospects you got to stay through the weekend um but uh we're gonna be there for a, a good amount to have all the info for our listeners good uh so yeah so so let's get right into, into the mailbag we I, I put out the call yesterday afternoon got a bunch of questions we appreciate all of them some of them we're not getting to but uh, uh let's start with the one on the tight ends as, here we go. Dallas Goddard's past the age Zach Ertz was when he himself was drafted. Should we expect Howie to try to find a trade for him and draft a tight end? And some context here, and we mentioned this on the show yesterday, like, like uh, Yishmeister said, I hope I'm pronouncing that correct, Yishmeister, uh, that is not just as, is Dallas Goddard older than when he was drafted, he's older than, than Brent Selleck was when the Eagles drafted Zach Ertz. So the Eagles are thinking of succession plans at this position how do you see tight end working out? So some context, too. I, I know in the, the long history of this podcast, the word resources mm. has been a buzzword. And I think if you go back all the way to 2018 when Dallas Goddard was drafted, it was a, it was a controversial pick in these corners yes. of Eagles media at the time. I don't think it was as controversial to just 
you know, WIP or just like sure. the mainstream outlets or whatever. And it's like, oh, but resource just, allocation media. Yes. They just drafted a tight end in the yep. second round. Uh, so the first thing I would say about that is I am a little worried about how Dallas Goddard is going to age, like even hmm. more than just looking at his age, Zach, for like such a physical player and somebody who had a down year this year as well. I, I'm finally starting to worry a little bit. That said, I also don't think tight end should be like their first or second priority here. So I'm curious where you kind of land on this. One. Yeah. Uh, so this so this is a, a, a position I I would watch closely for the reasons that were outlined there. I don't think the Eagles did a good enough job utilizing Dallas Goddard last year. That's fair. But when you look at Dallas Goddard's contract, uh, when you look at the age trajectory, this is this is a position that you're looking at 2025, 2026. Um, this could be your starting tight end. And in addition to that, Kellen Moore likes to play play two tight end sets. Um, so I, I would certainly watch out for it. I think it's a decent tight end draft class. You have an elite tight end available in the first round. That's Brock Bowers. The thought is Brock Bowers wouldn't fall to the Eagles um, in, the, in, the, in the 20s. Now, I mentioned him a few weeks ago as a potential trade-up candidate. It would surprise me if you give up assets to trade up for a tight end, but Brock Bowers is, he, you know, it's, it's similar to the Kyle Pitts conversation from a few years ago, that you're, you're looking at a player based on talent is a top 10 player in this draft. Um, but you probably don't want to allocate the res- that, th- those types of resources to a tight end, and you wonder if the Falcons would have done it differently. Um, but Brock Bowers, if you look at him as just like a pass-catching wideout, man, he's, he's – really good in that regard uh i know i, I, I know would, bo has talked about maybe getting a number three wide receiver and and that yeah. could kind of be the de facto number three receiver exactly if, if, if you frame it like that then it could make sense if if, if he falls into those uh mid to late teens and now in the my i don't want to be one of those guys who's like mock draft 1.0 right i i do these different mock drafts as an exercise to kind of show different combinations of what the eagles will, will do it's not necessarily predictive at this at this stage as much as it is a thought exercise right what do you if, mean by that you don't like the 1.0 you don't like no, 1.8 and no 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 i i i mean i don't like when some reporters are like I had this in my mock draft, and you do like nine different mock drafts oh, yeah. because then like you have at that point, you know, if they have three picks in the first two rounds, you have twenty-seven guys that 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 you said they could draft in the first two rounds. Yeah, of of, of course you you might have projected this. Okay, so is that I'm, what is that what reporters do? Like you sometimes. notice like mm-hmm. after April, big I had him yes, in one yes, of my yes, mock drafts. Yes, like, so you, you had ten mock drafts. You you listed everybody they exactly. could have drafted, probably times two. <laughs> exactly, and and you so I. I, I I will not do, do it. I'm going to start doing that. I do a callback to my final mock draft because that's, that's, the, that's the predictive one. That's okay. not the exercise. Uh, but the, the one I had back last month, which the first one I did, I, I put Jatavian Sanders mm-hmm. from Texas as a second-round pick. And I say that because uh, I think Jatavian Sanders is a really good player. I actually like all three of the Texas pass catchers in this draft, Xavier Worthy, Adonai Mitchell, um, and then Jatavian Sanders. But I, I think Jatavian Sanders, he's, he's one of the younger players in the draft. Uh, he's explosive. He has good size. If, if that's your second-round pick and you develop him and you have a role for him in year one and he can become your Goddard replacement, I would watch out for that. Yeah, that sounds better to me. I and you know we we talked about Bowers and resources. Yeah. I would prefer them not to take Bowers in the first round. I'm just I'm more of a premium position type of person. The old Howie Roseman draft a you know a pass rusher, yeah. a tackle, receiver, even a corner like those type of things. I would prefer that over Brock Bowers. Although look, I've watched him. He's he's terrific. You yeah. know, 
Um, but I, I think that also would put a ton of pressure on if you draft him, that guy better be like really good. Yeah, exactly. So, uh, the say the thing too about, uh, as you mentioned, like the, the financial difference between like a premium, a premium tight end yeah. does not get paid as much money as a, you know, a premium corner yeah. or a premium pass rusher. Like if, if you land on one of those players, like you were saying before the show, if you land on Jalen Carter, it's more of a, of a team building advantage, right? Exactly. And, and this is, I'm, I'm glad you, you brought that up. This is a point that the NFL Network's Daniel, uh, that the NFL Network's Daniel Jeremiah made recently. And it's something I've, I've been speaking about. If, if you've been reading my coverage and, and watching uh, the PHLY show and Birds with Friends for, for a few years now, that Howie Roseman, one of the things that they look at is the delta between uh, what a top of the league player is at that position. So you can see that by looking at the franchise player values and what the rookie contract is and simply said if you hit on a tight end in the first round of the draft uh he's not making that much less percentage wise than if you hit on an offensive tackle an edge rusher a defense tackle a quarterback a wide receiver right so that difference there when you talk about positional value there's a reason why running backs linebackers safeties um, you find them in middle rounds of the draft. You find them on the free agent market. Uh, and I would put tight ends in that group. Whereas you don't necessarily find left tackles or premium edge rushers. And I made that point on yesterday's show with Les Bowen, which make sure you, I, I hope everyone checks it out. Les was an awesome guest. That the reason why edge rushers and, and, and tackles and quarterbacks and receivers go so high in the draft, and those other positions don't. It's not just because they're important positions. It's because in order to land these premium players, uh, you need to do it high, number one. And when you have one and he's on that fixed rookie contract, it's such a pronounced difference compared to some of these other positions. Yeah. Uh, and I usually thought of that in the context of the quarterback. That's like the only way I, I had really thought about it. But it makes sense that there are other positions where, okay, yeah, you're not getting that much surplus value as you are from yep. from a quarterback on a rookie contract. The the Jalen Hurts is the Brock Purdy's right now. But like, if you land on a tackle, like that that'll really help you for three or four years here. Exactly. If if, if they take, let's say, a Marius Mims or Tyler Guyton, and and that guy becomes Lane Johnson's replacement. And I'm not saying he's as good as Lane Johnson. But there's, you know, a uh, 18, 20 million dollar delta in in what you're paying relative to if you took a linebacker or a tight end. Well, but then we get into the conversation about the tackle. If you don't play him in the first year, then you actually are not getting that value. Similar to Andre Dillard. Yep, exactly. That's a good point. Uh, next one up here is, and and this is a fun one, and this is actually going to be a topic for an article later this this offseason. But which second or third year player on the Eagles do you expect to make the biggest jump? This coming season, I'll, I'll, I'll let you go first. I mean, I, I think it's probably Jalen Carter. Mm-hmm. Just and, and really, for me, it's it's not really the jump in terms of like his best plays. Yeah. Like, I was blown away by his like seven or eight best plays this year. Just completely, you know, game wrecking ability, bursting through the line, throwing guys, spin moves. He really felt like kind of a more advanced pass rusher than a lot of people thought earlier in the year. My thing is, he's just got to do that in December. Yep late November, December. It felt like he very much hit the rookie wall. Uh, and I expect, you know, in, in year two, year three, that uh, that he will continue to progress and maybe, you know, spread out that dominance. Yeah, well said. The 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 one that jumps out the most is, is, is Jalen Carter for the one that, that you mentioned. The situational one is is Tyler Steen, is that if um, if Jason Kelsey retires and Cam Jurgen slides over to, to – uh, 
to center. And Tyler Steen, it, it, it's not a given that he would be your starting right guard. But if he is your starting right guard in that case, then that's a player who would obviously take a jump simply from playing time alone. The one that they need the most is Nicobe Dean. Um, and you heard Howie Roseman mention that they're still counting on Nicobe Dean. You've heard the show the past two days with Les yesterday and Josh Tolentino the day before when we were breaking down the Nicobe Dean part of it uh, and how they, ne- they can't necessarily rely on him. And then kind of the hipster one, if to... I, I don't know if I if I'm using that correctly, but but kind of the one that like yeah, when you're it. when you're having a Miller light with your friends and this question comes up <laughs> uh, and you want to really know, I would say Keely Ringo because Absolutely. the and, and you did a good job discussing this on Monday's show. Um, Keely Ringo, from the time he was in training camp to the time he was uh, actually getting starting reps, there was an enormous jump. And I I wrote a piece uh, when I talked to different play, different starters. This was the middle of the year. Which like practice squad or down the roster player uh, is making you better? And AJ Brown said Keely Ringo has a chance to be like a top cornerback in the league. And uh, people were reading that, and they always were going off the preseason, and, and they're like, "What are you talking about here?" And then he had that first game or, or the first extended action where he has the penalty on the first drive, and it's like, "All right, what's AJ talking about here?" I think we saw. The tools that Keely Ringo has, and the thing I can't emphasize enough is Keely Ringo was the youngest player on the team last year. He's going to be 21 this year. If Keely Ringo was in this draft, I'm, I mean, you're, we're, we're talking about Lassiter uh, uh, from Georgia as a second-round pick, maybe late first. Uh, I mean, Keely, uh, I would say Keely Ringo was above him on Georgia's depth chart last year. I think Keely Ringo, given what he ran, given the way he can play, he'd probably be a late first, second-round pick this year. Now, I, I know that's like a Howie Roseman talking point when they traded a third-rounder for him, but um, I, I would really pay attention to Keely Ringo pushing for a starting spot. I agree with you, and, you know, when you look back, I remember there was that preseason game where he was a nightmare yes. in that game. But then you fast forward to when they needed him to make a few spot starts, right? He was good. I believe it was the Seattle Monday night yep, game where, exactly. where he had some really good reps. They weren't really yep. throwing towards him. Now, in fairness, it was Drew Locke who, uh, you know, obviously killed the Eagles at the end of that game. But, yeah, it's, it's funny because I did in my newsletter today, I kind of just rounded up a bunch of mock drafts and just saw, like, outside of you, just like, where are people yep. projecting the Eagles are going to go right now? Just, you know, it's stupid, but it's also fun. There were a ton of cornerbacks that got listed. They were different players, too. It was uh, Kool-Aid and McKinstry. Yep. Quinion, great name. Unbelievable. <laughs> there were some great names yeah. in this draft. Uh, Quinion Mitchell. Yep. There were a couple other guys who I am forgetting. The, uh, uh, the the kid from Missouri, too. I am blanking yeah, on his name. It's Ellis Rankstraw. An- another no. great name, really. Chop Robinson is not a... Uh, yeah, Ed Rusher, but yeah. That's another great name. The uh, So, yeah, I, I thought Keely Ringo certainly got a lot better at the end of the year. So he would be somebody who, like, as many um, needs as this team has, and, like, look, they just need to draft a good player exactly. in the first round. But, you know, like, resource-wise, I, I think there are probably other positions that I would target before cornerback because it's like, all right, run it back with Slay. Hopefully Ringo gets the job. You know, as Bo has kind of said, maybe you bring in a Steven Nelson yeah. type, some veteran who, who applies very weak pressure towards, you know, uh, that job and, and competing for it. But, you know, he certainly has the tools to be pretty good. So. Also, something Jeremiah said yesterday, He uh, Daniel Jeremiah has about 14 to 15 corners ranked with top three, with, with grades in the first three rounds. So I think there's depth in, in this year's class. Uh, the next question here, 
By, by the way, speaking of oh, Kobe yeah. Dean, it seems like uh, with how Howie has talked about him, he's already made that jump. You know, it seems like, <laughs> yeah, seriously, yeah. like he's already. Uh, They're only seeing him practice. Yeah, yeah, exactly. You're only seeing him practice. Uh, this is an interesting one from uh, from uh, I'm sorry, Josh K. Is, uh, is it is it Zoidberg, longtime listener? It's February 22nd, 2025. Water gun to your back. Kellen Moore is A, head coach of another team. B, offensive coordinator of the Eagles. C, out of the job. D, head coach of the Eagles. So, so let's rank these in order. Yep. Most likely. Obviously, we're playing percentages here. So what would be your number one? Number one offensive coordinator of the Eagles. That they, oh, interesting. They, they don't have a year when everything turned. You know, they, they have a, a, a good year. Sirianni's back. Um, it's not good enough that he's number one on the coaching list, but that he, he, he might be the hot candidate going into the following year. So I had that third because I, I am viewing this as just boomer bust. Okay. And so to me, the idea that, and like, look, there is a certain percentage where you're right. Like they have a decent year. Maybe they make the divisional round. Jalen plays better. He handles the blitz better, but Kellen Moore just doesn't get a head coaching job for yep. whatever reason. But for me, I think it's just going to be boomer bust where mm. the number and the number one choice for me is out of a job. And that is because Nick Sirianni gets fired and, you know, Ben Johnson is the coach next year. And there isn't quite the same need for Kellen Moore. Now, hey, maybe maybe Bill Belichick would get brought mm. in and he likes Kellen Moore, although he'd probably just bring back Matt Patricia yeah. on the offense next year. That's true. He's in a lot of, <laughs> lot of familiarity. It already worked, right? Yeah. yeah. Um, but that's that was my first. So my second one is head coach of another team. Okay. So, where it's kind of just a boomer bust thing. Where if Jalen has a great yep. season, Kellen Moore becomes kind of a, a hot head coaching name, and you know, like usually seven or eight coaching availabilities. Sure. It was eight this year. You're right. You know, I, I know there were a couple of defensive names that yep. got jobs this year, but ultimately, I, I think offense is kind of a tiebreaker, and, and teams look towards the young play caller because it's harder to replace that uh, that offensive coordinator leaving every year. So those are my top two. I would, I would, I hear your your point there. I think status quo. I'm sticking with number one. Um, I think the least likely is head coach of the Eagles. Totally. I, I think that nice. if uh, if Sirianni's fired, the Eagles are doing a search from ground zero. It's 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 not just promoting Kellen Moore. That that, that would be my guess. This, that, uh, 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 that was a good one. I'm sorry for butchering the name. I, I know the handle very well. Not the pronunciation. The, um, the, the head coach one, the, the only way I could see that happening is they have just a terrible start to the season, and Nick gets fired, and Kellen is the interim interest. coach, and then they have like a great year, and he has to be the head coach because he's done such a great job. But I, I also think that's the least likely. Yeah, and, and then there's sometimes an argument, don't put the offensive coordinator there because he has enough uh, responsibility as it is. You, you look at like Jamal Singleton, who's an assistant head coach, or Kevin Patuo, who's the associate head coach. I would put Clint Hurt there and, and just have him the first guy. Oh, off yeah. The, yeah, right. I mean, you know, you, I would send him out for the opening coin toss. That would be my play. I think they should do that. <laughs> just in general, yeah. I, I mean, Nick Sirianni, I know, I know they said they were bringing him back. But yeah. Clint Hurt just like roaming the sidelines looking tough. Oh, uh, I would love that. I think that's like a two win <laughs> advantage right there. Something to think about there. That's, yeah. that's advanced analytics. Uh, the next one here. Um, and. You can see the handle here. Uh, wanted the counterpoint you made today regarding uh, uh, trading Hassan Reddick. You said edge rushers' options might be thin, so teams could be more willing to trade for Reddick. Wouldn't the same point make the Eagles prefer to keep him, given limited options to replace him? I'll jump on this question first because this is something that, that I made. I hear your point. My counter to that is there's, mar there's different market dynamics at play. 
the there's a, there's only so many guys you can pay twenty five million dollar contracts to, right? So the Eagles are already paying Jalen Hurts, and they're already paying AJ Brown. They're going to have to pay Devontae Smith. Um, they're already paying Lane Johnson. Uh, they have so many, you know, uh, uh, they have Darius Slay on a big deal. Um, they they have uh, Jordan Mailata on a, on a, on a decent deal. But 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 point being, I think that if they were going to give Hassan Reddick a, a twenty three to twenty five million dollar contract. It, it probably would be done without this go seek a trade. So I think if someone's willing to give that price and trade for Redick, then it might be a number that the Eagles just simply can't hit given the way that they're allocating resources. And you say, all right, would you rather pay Hassan Redick 23, 24, 25 million, or let's say get a second and fifth round pick back and also say sign uh, an edge rusher for 10 to 12 million, draft somebody, you're developing Nolan Smith, you have Josh Sweat. I think that might be the option just when you look at the market dynamics. So I know it depends on compensation and kind of where they can sign yep. each player to what number, but wh- where are you right now, just all things being equal on the great Reddick Sweat debate of 2024? Well, I, I, th- I think Reddick's the better player. Um, Sweat's younger, Sweat's bigger. Uh, but and I, I look anyone who watches this knows I think Sweat's a really good player. Um, I'm not as concerned about Sweat's injury history as maybe some other people are. They, he just he's been able to stay healthy. It, it's kind of one of those things that's attached to his name. But if you simply looked at the snaps, the game played, he hasn't been hurt. You can say how much time does he have left on those knees? Uh, I, I haven't seen evidence that he's slowing down. Now he did slow down this year, not health wise. I, I just think he he took on a big enough workload, but the reality is I, uh, when you look at, at the run that Hassan, that Hassan Reddick's had four years now with uh, double-digit sacks each each year, um, he's been one of the elite pass rushers in the league the past two years. Hassan Reddick's simply a better a, a, a better edge rusher. And I, I know Josh Sweat goes against better tackles. That needs to be pointed out, depending, you know, you look at the side that he's that he's rushing on. But I, I simply think that, that Reddick's the better player. But when you look at age, when you look at contract, when you look at potential compensation, those are all things you need to consider. And you think the Josh Allens and Brian Burns of the world are probably going to stay in their places? Yeah, I think they'll be tagged. Um, the one that I would watch is Bryce Huff from the Jets if he does not get tagged. Uh, but if he's the top guy on the market, I don't know if the Eagles pay up for him. Makes sense. Yeah. Uh, next one here is this is on on a scale of one to ten. How excited sh- uh, how excited should I be for the Albert O comeback tour? Uh, we referenced this earlier in the show. Uh, I don't know if how long this comeback tour will last. I think you'll get the preseason from Albert O, and then maybe more. But let's tie this into the first question too. Do you see any pathway where Albert O is like a top two tight end for the Eagles next year? I mean, based on Past evidence, no, but based on how much they seem to be valuing him, like maybe, you know, I mean, obviously the Eagles second and third tight ends are not like uh, star players yes. by any means, right? Jack Stoll and Grant Calcaterra. Fairly yeah. replaceable guys, no offense to them. Um, I guess here, here's the one positive I can muster. Zach, preseason football is as bad as it has ever been, mm-hmm. where they just, teams just don't care about it. And that's, you know, that's their prerogative. It's fine, but it does stink. The Eagles, at least in Game 3, have quite a combination. Tanner McKee throwing to Albert O. That, that will get people to watch. Totally. And, I mean, yeah. Albert O looked like 
Gronk in the third preseason game for the Broncos last year. That was yeah, the big, exactly. big talking point. Man, look at this look, exactly. game this guy's having. They, they're throwing the ball to him every time he's getting open, but it was the third preseason, preseason game. So, hey, look, August 24th or whatever, get your tickets ready. Hopefully that game is at the uh, at the link. I think Albert O could, uh, could put on a show with young Tanner McKee. And it's respecting the bit. Uh, before we move on to the next question, let me tell you about – a subscription that I, I, I signed up for something this past weekend. My, my son wanted it. I wasn't ready to pay the full price. I was like, all right, I'll get it for you for two weeks. And I put it the trial period. And I had to put a reminder to cancel the subscription. Um, but I don't have to do that because I have Rocket Money. And Rocket Money, for subscriptions you forgot about, or you might pay twice, or you didn't realize it, Rocket Money cancels the subscription for you. It's otherwise time-consuming. Did you know that Rocket Money alerts you on an increase in subscription price, and it can negotiate for you? Did you know, frankly, that 75% of people who have subscriptions have forgotten about it? And before I started using Rocket Money, I... Th- I, I I didn't realize how many subscriptions I had. Then you catalog it, and, and, and you see, and thanks to Rocket Money, you're no longer wasting money for the ones that you forget about. Rocket Money is a personal finance app that finds and cancels your unwanted subscriptions, monitors your spending, and helps lower bills so you can grow your savings. With Rocket Money, I have full control over my subscriptions and a clear view of my expenses. Rocket Money has over 5 million users and has saved a total of 500 million dollars in canceled subscriptions, saving members up to $740 a year when using all their app's features. Stop wasting money on things you don't use. Cancel your unwanted subscriptions by going to rocketmoney.com slash PHLY. That's rocketmoney.com slash PHLY. Rocketmoney.com slash PHLY. And I mentioned uh, the PHLY diehard earlier. I also want to tell you about PHLY events because tonight PHLY is taking over the Wells Fargo Center. Who these, I mean, the the Cavs are, I don't want to say sneaky good team. We expect them to be good, but they've been hot recently. So you can go and you can meet our great Sixers team uh, that is, is there. And when I say our great Sixers team, I'm referring to Kyle and Derek and Devon, okay, uh, because they are the – uh, the, I, I would say the top group in the city. Only 10 tickets left. Get them while you can. Head to allphly.com under the event calendar to grab your tickets. And I'm going to keep stumping for, for Die Hard here because with the PHLY Die Hard, there's podcasts and live shows in every team every day, post-game shows, premium written content for members at allphly.com, 20% off. There's great merchandise for all teams. You get a free shirt when you become a member. There's a members-only Discord. I'm checking it. We call it the PHLY Lounge. People are always asking me what's the best way to support our show, and the answer is to become a PHLY diehard. But the best part is, is there's a lot in it for you. But when you become a diehard, you get to choose your free shirt or hat. Uh, from the PHLY Locker, and you get it every year on renewal. You also instantly get access to that Discord lounge to chat with other Philly sports fans, and you get, it's away from all the BS on Twitter. After that, you unlock 20% off all merch and events for the entirety of your time as a member, and those are just some of the perks of being a PHLY diehard. Head over to allphly.com and join the best sports fans in the city. Uh, you mentioned the BS. Yep. I, I do. I do want Andrew. Can you? The, the one question I want to get to yeah, before we call. get before I like we get to the BS. Yep. Could you, kind of a silly question before yeah. that because I prepared this one. Can you pull up the Dawkins question in the mailbag? Oh, I like the, this uh, because I thought that was a uh, that was something I've thought about a lot watching Eagles games. Not just Brian Dawkins. It's kind of the other element of the question. 
Uh, this, this is a fun one here, the Dawkins one. Thanks. I appreciate that, Andrew. You have two options. You can either get hit by Dawkins in the open field or be under the tush push pile. And that's from Joe underscore Connors 81. And, and I'm curious what the, what the sickos have to say in the comments about this one because I thought about this for, for a few minutes. And Joe, great question. Um, and to me, I think ultimately it ends up being no question. Brian Dawkins, you're allowed to destroy me in the open field. Go ahead. Because I look at the bottom of that tush push pile and, and Jason Kelsey getting up and really, really any sort of pile, like a, a fumble, loose ball, somebody at the bottom of those. And I get secondhand claustrophobia, Zach. That seems okay. absolutely miserable. And also all the stories you read about, um, I guess this wouldn't happen in the tush, tush push pile as much because Jalen has the ball and he's kind of in the middle of it. But just guys fighting for the ball and getting punched and trying to come out first with that football, that seems like one of the most miserable experiences in the world. That's not to say that getting yeah. smoked in the open field by Brian Dawkins would be a good thing, but at least it would happen quickly. Like the idea of being under all of those offensive linemen for, you know, 10, 15 seconds, uh-uh, I'm not doing that. So I, I'm, I'm actually pushing back on, uh, on this one. So you're taller than me, which isn't saying much, but if, 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 <laughs> if you take a penny and from where you are, you drop it on my head, my ding, it won't hurt that much. But if you stand on the, the top floor of our building here, and, I'm, and I'm, I'm, I'm below us, and you drop the penny, that's going to hurt quite a bit. So Brian Dawkins has that running start in the open field. He's pummeling me, he's pummeling me to the ground. I would, not, I would prefer to have a bunch of people jump on me from a short distance than Brian Dawkins with acceleration coming at me and knocking me to the ground. Well, I, I also guess it depends on what type of hit it is. If, okay. If, if he has like a 15-yard running yes, start. That's like, what I was like interpreting. If you're yeah. the running back, you know, getting the screen and he has a free shot at you, then then yeah. I'm, I'm hoping that Doc has to like, he has to work his way through a linebacker maybe or, you know, not a yep. guard or something like that. But I uh, I understand it. And I do think, uh, I did like the comment, I feel like I owe it to Dawkins to let him blast me after <laughs> all these years <laughs> or yeah. whatever. Uh, so yeah, neither of those would be good. But I, I don't know, man. Those... The bottom of those piles, just considering that pretty much everybody lying on top of you is 300 pounds as well. I don't know. I, I watch football games, and that really freaks me out, honestly. it's Maybe I'm a little bit strange, but it just seems, seems tough. Also, I, I would do, do what Devontae does and just get as far away from that tush bush as I could. Oh, totally. But you don't have the option here. That's true. That's true. That's a, that's that's a good one. Um, I'm sorry, Andrew. We're gonna, we're gonna go out of order here. Uh, I I appreciate Rich bringing that up because we're already at at 12:51. We're not gonna get all the questions, but there's one I really wanted to hit on. This was a late submission, the AJ Brown question, uh, which was the last question. And I bring this up because this is in the the Philly. I I don't I don't want to put too much attention to what's said on social media, but but this is a topic of conversation. Have the recent comments from AJ Brown around the media and comments being misconstrued, make you feel any kind of way about being on the beaten Philly or feel there's any kind of substance to his claims. And so uh, this is just kind of an entry point to talking about A.J. Brown. Look, I, I want to be honest with our audience here. Um, we do a show every day, right? Uh, we, we love it. It's, it's, it's fun, but, but we need stuff to talk about every day. That's just the reality of this format. It, it might be different than in a previous role where you're writing just a few times a week and, and, and you can say, all right, you know, I, I don't need something to write about every day. So, but there's also a, a responsibility among those talking to are, are you reacting to news? Are you analyzing news or are you creating news? 
And I just bring that up because there are there are real issues with the Eagles that are worthy of discussion. There are rumors and innuendos sometimes that are worthy of discussion. And then there's sometimes topics that you say, this is a big name. This is going to this is this is going to get people to talk about. And I, I don't want to be dismissive of fans like we talked about with Miller Light. You're sitting around the bar. What are you guys talking about? You're probably talking if AJ Brown says something on on social media, you you might be talking about it. So, look, that's that's part of the joy of of being a fan. But in my opinion, the Eagles don't have an AJ Brown problem. No, and I think you you laid it out in your tweet, right? Like the you remember the year 2020, yep. right, when they're throwing to Travis Fulgham 13 times per game. It's it's much nicer now where I can just complain about them not throwing the ball to AJ Brown enough. Yeah, I, I mean, and I'm, I don't need to read the whole tweet, but 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 like what I'll say is is this: if you just simply look at the record books, okay, the two best single season receiving yards, the the two best uh, marks for single season receiving yards are by AJ Brown in his two years in Philadelphia. He was the best player on the team last year. Um, he is a franchise-changing player. He was the uh, he's on a Hall of Fame trajectory. Look at the Eagles' offense before he arrived. Look at the Titans' offense since he left. Uh, whatever, if you think there's drama, I I'm around AJ Brown quite a bit in that locker room. I don't get the sense that there's that much drama. He 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 can be emotional, um, it, but the reality is. He is an elite blue chip player, and I would do everything if if I was Howie, if I was Jeffrey, if I was Nick, I would do everything I could to keep AJ Brown happy. And because we do, we talk to Eagles fans on the show every day. I would say count your lucky stars that he's on your team, because there aren't that many players in the league like him. So, and, and I think you making that point is kind of a a good segue to, you know, like the general media criticism of like. And I think you put it well, like, are you actually creating a story? Yeah. And that's that's not what you want to do as, as a media member. I think part of the issue with probably this past week and some of the stories that have blown up, Zach, there's nothing to talk about right yeah. now. Yeah, and, and that's probably the Eagles' fault, by the way. Um, you're right. Now, now this is a slow time in the calendar. It's like one of the very few really uh, slow times um, in the calendar. But the, uh, I thought Les Bowen put it well yesterday when, you know, he, 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 was, he was talking kind of in that – in that vacuum, what 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 takes its place? And man, I'm not saying that uh, that if the Eagles had, you know, the, uh, Vic Fangio or Kellen Moore available for press conferences yesterday or this 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 week, then that's all we or the talk radio stations or you know the reporters will be writing about. But there is something to be said about this. If, 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 and I've made this, I'm, I'm not speaking out of turn, I've made this point to people in the Eagles building. In this city, people talk about the Eagles every, every single day. day. Yep. Every day. And it's, it's not to drive ratings or traffic. It's because that's the, people love the Eagles. People want to talk about the Eagles. Uh, and if you're not providing that content, then that content's going to be provided for you, and you and and so and I I've said this last year when the Eagles were uh, when 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 AJ Brown wasn't talking like if you are not creating your own narrative or writing your own narrative, then that narrative is going to be written for you, and in the absence of your voice, emotions are going to be assigned. So I'm I'm not necessarily sure that's the case here, but to your point, and it's a good one. 
this is the from the Super Bowl to the combine. Um, it's the quietest portion before you get to like May and June. Yeah. Number one, number two, the Eagles have been more quiet than other teams. I I'm, I follow every team in the league, and teams are introducing their position coaches. They are introducing their coordinators. They're having head coaches and GMs speak. Um, there are so many things that the Eagles could do to write the narrative about them right now. They are choosing to stay silent, and I'm not defending um, some of the rhetoric that might be out there elsewhere, but I'm saying in the absence of you creating news or you creating content, then news and content could be created for you. Well, and especially it's, it's natural that the news that does get created is negative because guess what? They stunk for the last two mm -hmm. months of the year. They yep. really, really stunk. So it's not like uh, it's going to be all sunshine and rainbows there. I, I, in general, though, I will say I, I do get annoyed at people just lumping the media all in together. Absolutely. Yeah. Like, you know, like yeah, the there's media, no committee meetings that we're going The media hates yeah. e the Eagles or whatever. No, no, that's not the case, actually. I'm sure. That, and look, there are times that the media, there are people here that, like you said, they create a story. Yeah. And I think like, oh, come on, like what's going on here? But the idea that yeah, we're all like, you know, putting our heads together and, you know, creating a, a yeah. specific narrative that we're pushing. It doesn't happen. I think for the most part in this crazy media market, and you said it, like Philadelphia, I think it might be the biggest market for football in, in the entire league. Yep. Like maybe Dallas. I know that's more of kind of a national brand, but like compared to the New York teams, that's small market football compared to this because there's two of them and they care about baseball a lot more there. And yeah, you're you're absolutely right, and I, I've I've worked in New York. I I, I would say it, it gets fragmented um, because the, it, it can be diverted in, in so many different ways. And I also, by the way, think it's it's uh, it's incumbent upon the listeners, the readers, the viewers, like to to discern who do you want, which um, I, I, I don't want to call it gatekeepers, but 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 like who are you listening to? Who are who are you trusting? Um, it's incumbent upon us in the media to be reliable narrators. Uh, but in, a, in addition to that, the barrier for entry for providing content is lower now than it's ever been, right? I mean, there's just more avenues for it. Uh, social media has, has allowed anyone to kind of have an opinion, and that's, that's, that's the world we live in. So it's incumbent upon the consumer to determine who, the, who they want to listen to. And that's where, like, I mean, if I can puff our chest out, like, uh, you know, I, I think this show... Uh, Bo and, and me, and, we, and, and when we have you on it, we're, we're uh, you know, I, 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 I would say, you know, I have a 13-year track record of, of covering the team so the consumer can decide, like, all right, when you think this is important or you think this is not important, you think this is relevant, you think there's something here, you think there's something not, Bo is, an, as, is incredible, uh, in my opinion, at, at, at like, deciding, um, all right, there's something here, there's something not here. And we can have reasonable disagreements, but it's incumbent upon the consumer to make that determination as well. Totally. And, and one last point, too, like the idea that the barrier for entry is lower, like that's been a positive in a lot yeah. of ways, too. There are people who kind of break through exactly. um, who, who do a great job, whether it's like film breakdowns yep. or other things, too, or even just get into more traditional journalism as well. So, so that's been a good thing. But you also have to be a little bit more discerning now. I just, I lose, I, I get really frustrated when people say, oh, the entire media exactly. is like, grow up. Come on. What yeah. are we doing? Uh, we're almost at, at time here. Is, is there anyone that you really wanted to get to here 
Uh, before we sign off, I'm sorry we didn't get to all the questions. Maybe this will be evidence for Bo that we need more mailbags because we got some oh, yeah. real good questions. We and done two uh, hours today, yeah, man. Exactly. We had some good questions and, uh, and, and talking points. Um, there's some of these, like, for instance, running backs we'll get into. Um, there's uh, stuff about the quarterback, the, the cornerback depth chart we'll get into. Uh, there's one that uh, I, I, I just want to get into here. I'm sorry to put um, this randomly on you, Andrew, but it's the one that starts with, let's say, the Eagles. Um, and I will, I will read this while it goes on the screen. Let's say the Eagles hadn't signed Jalen Hurts to a new contract last year. He was still playing on his rookie deal in 2023. Would last season have, have gone any differently? Is the vibe any different? What sort of contract uh, would he have gotten this offseason? Did they make the right move? Um, and I'll, ju I'll jump on this first in that I think the Eagles made that move at the right time. You saw after Jalen Hurts signed, there were deals for Lamar Jackson. There were deals for Joe Burrow. Uh, and the market rate for quarterbacks are going to continue to go up. I don't necessarily, I, I, I do know that new contract pull or, or something you hear that contract might have pulled Jalen Hurts in different directions. Um, but I also think that had Jalen been playing for a contract last year, that question of a contract would have always been looming. Um, and actually, it's, it surprises me a bit, a bit like with Maxi this year, you know that Max deal's coming, but it's, it's, it's like it's it kind is. of the undertone of everything. That, that would have been the subtext. I, I shouldn't say undertone. Subtext for everything that Jalen did this year is, is like, uh, you know, is, is he playing right now because of the, you know, is he playing through an, an, an injury because of this? Um, how much is, is this weighing on his mind? I think if you believe in the quarterback, then it's always better sooner rather than later. Well, and especially too, like even if he struggled and took a step back this year, like the, there there are only so many great quarterbacks right now, Zach. Like I think compared to 10, 15 years ago, the, like the position is not as deep as it was. Exactly, so yeah. like the idea that Jalen Hurts would not get paid to a pretty large degree, even coming off this last season, I, I think he would get a lot of money on the open market. And and generally, the way these quarterback contracts work is the next guy gets more than the exactly. Last guy. And you don't want to be in a situation where you have to use the tag and, and you have this huge one-year cap obligation. So I think the Eagles acted when they did, but that's, that's a good question. And uh, I appreciate all, the, all, all these questions. This, I, I see someone says when the show goes by quickly, it means it's a good show. And, and, and this was a fun one. Yeah, I mean, I'm, uh, I wonder if Bo is just shaking his head <laughs> at that where we could have done – so many more creative things with it. It's possible, but I, I'm not sure we're capable of that, Zach. Well, you, well, we can count on Bo returning Monday and getting his show notes. I'm curious what he has to say. Uh, always a joy being here with Rich Hoffman. You can check out his daily newsletter, which is free. You don't even have to be a diehard member. It's free. It's the best newsletter in the city. Uh, that Sixers game tonight, it's the, it's the PHLY diehard event. And we'll be back Monday with Bo, like I said. Advancing the Combine, we're in Indianapolis next week. Good, there, there are going to be good shows ahead. Until then, that's Rich. I'm Zach. Andrew, behind the glass, so to speak. We appreciate it. Thank you for watching. Enjoy your weekend. And as Bo would say, we love you.